a few years ago, uh, Gina and I decided to surprise our family in Texas by showing up early for Christmas. We uh, always do Christmas Eve services here at Edge Church, and we tend to go to uh, see family the day after Christmas, but we thought, hey, we're going to surprise everybody. So we jumped in the car immediately after we finished our last Christmas Eve service. We actually had our bags packed. We had everything ready to go. We left the church when we, as soon as we could. We drove all night. At 3 a.m., we're in Salina, Kansas. And I said, Gina, I can't drive anymore. We got to rest a little bit before we continue on. And she said, okay, sounds good, 3 a.m. I walked into the hotel and I said, we need a room. And I said, by the way, how far is it to Oklahoma City? And the guy behind the counter said, cowboy. This is the only time I've ever been called cowboy. He said, cowboy, the interstate is shut down. There's a massive storm that's moving in from Oklahoma. And you're not going anywhere tonight. And I was like, oh my goodness. We had checked the weather in Colorado and Kansas, but not Oklahoma. And for some weird reason, this storm is rolling through. It shuts everything down. We're stuck in this motel, this cheap motel for most of Christmas Day. Finally, the interstate opened again, and driving from Salina, Kansas to North Texas, I drove about 20 miles an hour, and there were cars abandoned and stuck all over the road just almost the entire rest of the of the way it was amazing it was amazing to see all of these people that had been stuck in a storm all these people that had been abandoned their cars and had left and you know uh, it was a very scary thing I thought I was going to slide off the road most of the way um Luckily for us, we were stuck in a storm in a motel. I guess I have something to be thankful for. Um, <coughs> others, much more difficult for them. Today we're talking about something that is related. We're talking this morning about being stuck in a storm. And you know, if you live life long enough, you will go through certain storms. Maybe today you're in the middle of a financial storm. Maybe you're in the middle of a health storm. Maybe you're, you're uh, in the middle of a crisis with your family or your career or your job. Maybe you're in a mental health storm. The storms of life never really seem to cease and they always show up at times that are the least expected. But it is in those moments that we have the greatest opportunity to step forward in faith. And I want us to look today at Matthew chapter 14, one of the most loved and popular passages of scripture related to this topic of storms. It is the story of Jesus walking on the water. Now, uh, Jesus has uh, fed the 5,000, perhaps uh, one of his most famous miracles. He's had a great day. He decides to go to a mountain to pray. And he tells the disciples, guys, why don't you guys go, go on across the Sea of Galilee? I'll catch up with you later. I'm going to go talk to, to the Father. And so they head out across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus prays. Jesus doesn't have a jet ski. He doesn't have a boat. He doesn't have any other modern forms of transportation. So he's like, I'm going to walk. And he begins to walk across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, one of the really interesting things about this is there's a really big storm. 
And the disciples, somewhere between three o'clock and six o'clock in the morning, the Gospel of Mark says it was the fourth watch of the night. So it's, it's very, very early the next day, early in the morning. The disciples are completely panicked. They are totally freaked out because this storm is so big. Now keep in mind, some of the disciples were fishermen. So they knew about the storms on the Sea of Galilee and they're panicked. I would imagine they're throwing up over the side of the boat. They're hanging on for dear life. They absolutely don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they think that they see a ghost. And then, oh, it looks like a person. And then, oh, maybe that's Jesus. Did you know that Jesus has the, 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 unusual, the unusual tendency to show up in some of the most unusual places? And this is what the dis disciples discovered here in Matthew 14. Look with me beginning in verse 23 and we'll continue on because I want to talk to you today about being rescued from doubt. For those of you that haven't been with us over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Doubters Welcome. We've been talking about how to deal with doubt. We saw in week one, doubters at the resurrection of Jesus. Last week, we saw doubt related to John the Baptist, who had been Jesus' uh, associate, Jesus' friend, Jesus' cousin. And yet when he's arrested and he's about to lose his life, he begins to doubt. But today I want to turn our attention to the doubt of Simon Peter and the disciples. Look with me here in Matthew 14, 23. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. So how, do we, how can we be rescued from doubt? I want you to write this down on your outline. Number one, we have to take a step of faith. If you want to be rescued from doubt, you got to take that, that, that step of of faith. Look there in verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And he said, come. You see, the greatest way to get out of, a, out of a storm is to take a step of faith. Now, I love this because Simon Peter is thinking in his mind, he's like, you know what? We've been in the boat. Things haven't gone well all night. Jesus is over there. I'm in the middle of a storm. I want to get as close to Jesus as I can. And even if that means that I do something that is completely out of the box, something that is completely unusual and, and, and un, you know, extraordinary, I want to find Jesus and I want to get close to Jesus. Listen, the greatest thing you can do in a storm is to look for Jesus, is to find Jesus, to get as close to Jesus as you can. We get close to Jesus by talking to him in prayer, by worshiping him, by reading his word, by so many other things. And Peter says, I got to get close to Jesus. But you know, many times when it comes to a storm, we have other alternatives. 
And many people would rather sit than step. Ship sitters are people who wait, who crawl into the fetal position and expect things to change and to be different while the world passes them by. The 11 that remained in the boat represent the safety and security of doing what we've always done. Maybe you've said this before, I would develop some new skills at work, but I had this, this boss that stifles my innovation. I, I would start a new career, but I need the money from my current job and I can't do it. I, I would devote myself to spiritual growth, but, but I don't have the time. Uh, don't be a boat person. Uh, it's interesting that when we sit, there's always big butts when we're sitting. Right, Because there's always a reason to, to, to not do what we know that we need to do, which is take a big step of faith. And Peter hits this storm head on and he says, I want to be next to Jesus. I don't want to sit in the boat. I don't want to remain where I've been. I got to get to the Savior. When we're not sitting, sometimes we are swimming and swimming represents our own self-efforts. You know, I, I, what I can do. I don't want to be in the boat. I'm going to swim. Uh, other people might stare. You know, we criticize Peter sometimes because he takes his eyes off of Jesus in a few verses. But let me remind us today, the other 11 sat there. At least Peter tried. I mean, at least Peter's trying to do something. He's, he's trying to operate in faith. He's trying to get to Jesus. Everybody else is just watching. And when it comes to faith, it's a lot easier to stare than it is to step. And so sometimes we sit and sometimes we step and sometimes we swim and sometimes we stare. I'll tell you, the history of our church is filled with we're filled with times where God has called us as a church to take a big step. A few years ago, we were beginning Edge Church in our living room. We had about 20 adults coming to a Bible study on Sunday mornings. And I was passing out business cards. I was inviting people all over town. And when I would invite people, people would say, well, where does your church meet? That's a, that's a normal question, right? Okay, where's your church meet? We meet in my living room. People are like, okay, you guys are the weirdos. I mean, you, do, you, do you guys drink weird Kool-Aid? What, what, what do you got going on over there at the house? And they're like, what do we do with our kids? And I'm like, we, well, we, ha we, we, we have a, a little class for them in my basement. They're like, okay, so you stick my kids in your basement. And people are like, that's just, that's just weird. We're not coming, you know. And so I called my coach, my mentor, and I said, man, we got to get this church started. I got 20 people. He said, Ryan, I don't think your team is big enough to launch the church in the school like you want to do. I think you should wait. Well, we got with our team. We prayed about it. We thought about it. And we said, you know what? We just need to go for it. We're going to go for it. And yeah, we don't have the team that we really need. And yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. We're going to probably all be doing about 10 things, you know, at once. But we're going to do it. And we sent out a postcard one Sunday in the middle of the summer, we circled the date on the calendar, and around 200 people showed up to our first public service. 
And then shortly thereafter, the church started to average about 100 people a weekend meeting that first year in the school. And I thought about that this week because I thought it would have been so much easier to remain sitting in the boat. And yet, at the same time, God was urging us and pushing us to take a step of faith forward, even though we weren't really sure how everything was going to work out. What about you? Man, is God nudging you? Is the Holy Spirit leading you? Are, are, are you operating in faith? Are you taking steps? Or are you just sitting back waiting to kind of quote unquote see what happens? Jesus spoke about this in another passage in Matthew chapter 7. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find and knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and he who him who knocks the door will be opened. In other words, take that that step of faith. Take that step of faith. Step, step. And Jesus says to him, have courage. Now, that's the first response. The first words out of Jesus's mouth is have courage. And, and I believe that Jesus is saying the same thing to us today. In the middle of your storm, have courage. How can I have courage? Because Jesus is near. Jesus is the one who is with us. Jesus is the one who is always beside us. Jesus is the one who is pulling for us. Jesus is the one saying to us, have courage. Jesus never promises that we won't have a storm, but he does promise that he will always be beside us. Have courage and move to Jesus. And he commanded him to come. I mean, you know, this is beautiful. Peter asks, he takes the step of faith, call me, Jesus. But Jesus says, all right, Peter, come on. And he commands him to come. You know, Jesus is commanding us to be people who take steps of faith. How do we get out of that storm? We take a step of faith. We also keep our focus. We've got to keep our focus. Now, check this out. As the story unfolds in verse 29, and climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. As long as, as long as Peter's eyes were locked in on Jesus, he was walking on the water. He, he, he was transcending what was expected. He did what was unusual and extraordinary. But when he got distracted, he began to look at the winds and the waves. You see, when you're in a storm, there will always be a distraction. It, it, when our eyes are on Jesus, we move in faith. When we start to look around at our circumstance, at our feelings, when we start to, to, to behold all of these other things around us, we begin to sink. Maybe the reason that you feel so much fear today is because your eyes have been taken off of Jesus. You're looking at everything else. Are you looking at the Savior or are you looking at the storm? Uh, when Peter looked at Jesus, man, he was moving in faith. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. 
Simon Peter throughout scripture had an eye problem, E-Y-E, eye problem. If you look back at other passages in the Bible, uh, he got distracted. Uh, In Luke chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus commands Simon to put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Uh, Jesus says, hey, look, it's time to go fishing. Now, Peter responds and he says, you know what, Jesus? Actually, I'm smarter than you are. We have been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. So why is it that if we go back out, we're going to catch something? And, and we know as the story unfolds, they had the miraculous catch. The boat almost sinks. There's so many fish. What was the difference? The difference was Jesus had commanded it. You see, Simon Peter had that eye problem. He was looking at himself. What can I do? What can I accomplish? What, what am I capable of? And, and, and Jesus was trying to teach him that there is a, there's a level beyond that there, 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 there is a thing called faith. There's a thing called trust that, that motivates us and inspires us to move above and beyond what I can do. A little later in Mark chapter 14, Simon Peter had another eye problem. He worried more about what others thought of him. Mark 14, 67 says, when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked Closely at him, you also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and he went out into the, to the entryway. J- Peter denies the Lord three times. The reason he does so is because his eyes are on people. What are people going to do to me? What are people saying about me. We can have an eye problem when we are more concerned with what others say than what God says. We have an eye problem when we're beholding what we can do, but not what God can do through us. And Peter begins to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus. If you focus on any person or anything Other than Jesus, you will sink. You really will. I love the Lord. I've been the pastor of this church a long time. I hope you enjoy me as your pastor. But you know what? I hope your eyes are on Jesus. I hope your eyes are on Jesus, not your home group or your serve team or your friends at church. I hope ultimately your eyes are on him. Because that's where the richness of our faith is so powerfully experienced. But listen, when you start to sink, when you start to fall, immediately refocus on Jesus. Yes, did Peter fall? He certainly did. But he also got back up. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. He immediately turns his eyes Back to Jesus. And he says in verse 30, But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. But he cried out, Lord, save me. (laughs) 
It was, it was quick. He got distracted and then he refocused. That's what we need to do. Maybe you've been a little off focus. Maybe you've been, your attention has been diverted by some circumstances or some storms or some scenarios in your life. But today, but today is the day that you're putting your eyes back on the Son of God, back on Jesus. And we do so by asking for help. One of my favorite things about this passage is that Jesus didn't call Peter to walk on the water after he calmed the storm. He called him to walk on the water in the middle of the storm. Did you know that, listen, the storm of your life is the greatest opportunity for you to live by faith. Our prayer is usually, Lord, I'll walk on the water if, if the waves would subside. Lord, if the wind wasn't so nasty, I'll be right out there with the best of them, Lord. Jesus is letting the winds and the waves blow and crash and so many other things. And he teaches Simon Peter a powerful lesson. Ask for help. He says, look at it there in verse 30. Lord, save me. That's a prayer that every person should pray at least one time. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I mean, Peter knew that if, if there was any hope, it was going to come from Jesus. Have you asked God for help? Sometimes we see asking for help as a weakness. Or maybe you say no to help when you really need help. It's hard to ask for help, isn't it? Sometimes we live in denial. We think, I don't really have a problem. I don't need help. I can handle this problem by myself. But asking God for help can be one of the most powerful remedies to help us overcome the storms of life. You know, sometimes God will put people in your life that can help you. Do you believe that? You know, a few years ago, I mentioned starting our church. I'll share another example. Gina and I were getting ready to start the church. Gina was going to be our worship leader. She's a fantastic vocalist and musician. And uh, she was with a gathering of pastor's wives. And so they were talking about church and, you know, ministry and things like that. And, and they were talking about, you know, concerns that they had. And Jesus, G uh, Jesus, my wife Gina said, she said, she said, I got these two little bitty kids, but I need to be at church really early. And sometimes I have to stay late to get all of our church stuff going, to get all the worship stuff going. And I don't know what to do. And our kids were really little at this point. I mean, real, real small. And one of the pastor's wives said, oh, you need a Sunday morning nanny. And Gina was like, yes, I need a Sunday morning nanny. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And she said, well, why don't you ask somebody in the church for some help? And, you know, sometimes you just need to be given permission to do certain things. You need somebody to tell you, yeah, that's okay to do that. And Gina's like, can you do that? And the pastor's like, well, so of course. And uh, we were talking about this after the little gathering. And she said, Ron, I think that Rachel might want to help us. And I, I thought, well, you know, that sounds great to me. You know, I mean, what a great idea. We had a, a, a young single lady in our church that was just out of college. We had been introduced to her by some mutual friends. And 
uh, Gina talked to her and she said, hey, listen, we need some help. She kind of explained it. And this young lady in our church took care of our kids for the first five years of our church's existence. She would spend the night in our guest room on Saturday night. She would get the kids up. She would feed them breakfast. She would bring them to church. And she loved doing it. Can I just say that? Like she had a great time doing it. And I thought, how many times has God put people in our lives that are willing and ready to help us? All we have to do is ask. This was God's provision. And it was a massive blessing to to our family. Maybe you're in a storm, but God's put some people around you. And because of pride or insecurity, or maybe just other reasons, you haven't really said, hey, I need some help. But they would love to do something to help you. Would you reach out in faith? You see, the storms, I'm convinced, in your life will make you stronger or will make you stranger. Somebody ought to write that down. You'll become stronger in faith. I can guarantee you, Simon Peter... After he walked on the water and was rescued by Jesus, when he began to sing, his faith went through the rope. I mean, listen, your faith is built in a storm. That, that's when the faith comes out. But some people go through a storm and they become stranger, not stronger. It's sad. It's true. You go through a financial storm and you hoard everything that you have because you remember that one time when you didn't have enough and you worry and you have anxiety and you're anxious about stuff. Because you're, you're so afraid you're going to go back to that other thing. And you become not more dependent upon God. You be, don't become stronger. You become stranger. Uh, some pe people go through church storms. And people get cynical about church. You know, somebody let me down at church. So I distrust. Or I, I'm finding fault. Or I'm afraid to, you know, commit. Or, or whatever it is. And yet one of the greatest blessings in the Christian life is to be a part of a loving church family. Listen, church, we don't want to be stranger. We want to be stronger. Maybe you've been through a relational storm. The last relationship didn't work out. I'm not going to trust anybody again. I'm going to stay home and be a cat lady. Listen, God wants you to come out of that storm and to be stronger, not stranger. Listen, let's be more dependent, let's be more moldable, let's be more teachable, let's be more filled with faith, let's be more dynamic in our prayer life when our eyes are on Jesus and when we are asking him for help and we are taking those steps out of the boat to do everything that he has asked us to do. And then finally, we receive his grace. Look at verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught hold of him, and he said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter, why were you doubting? <laughs> but when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Their faith began to explode. They began to respond with worship. And listen, when Jesus has helped you in a storm, all you can do is worship him. You're so grateful. But we got to receive his grace. Now look at this. The word immediately is used here in uh, verse 31. Jesus reached out his hand immediately. I mean, Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, you're sinking. Good luck. 
I'll get back with you in a few minutes. Why don't you try and swim a little bit, try and get back to the boat, and we'll see what happens. No. Right when Peter asked for help, Jesus is lifting him up. Jesus is rest. That's his grace. Receive his grace. Jesus corrects him and loves him. Do you see it there? He says to him, why did you doubt? That's correction. But right before that, he lifts him up and he rescues him. And Jesus loves us so much that he will both rescue us and he will correct us in the same instance. Now that is true love. We got to worship him without delay. Without delay, he's there to help us. A few years ago, my little niece wanted me to take her swimming. And she was about six years old at this time. She had been taking swimming lessons. And she said, Uncle Ryan, I'm gonna sh- I've been swimming. I've been swimming lessons. Get over there in the middle of the pool and I'm going to swim to you. And I knew that she had not been swimming very much. So I was, you know, I was kind of getting closer to, to her. And she insisted that I scoop back. And so she got... She kind of bounced down the steps, you know. It's getting a little deeper and a little deeper, and she adjusts her goggles. You know, she's like really ready to show me that she's a great swimmer. And she steps off the ledge, and what happens? Straight to the bottom of the pool. I mean, straight to the bottom. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Now I'm, you know, I'm trying to swim over, and then I'm trying to grab her little arms and legs, and I'm pulling her out. And, of course, she feels like she's about to drown. And, and all that, I sat her on the side of the pool, and... She was so disappointed that she didn't do a little bit better showing me how well she could swim. You know, I thought about that this week because sometimes we try to swim and we sink. But God wants us to get back in the game and to keep trying to walk on the water. So maybe you've sunk a few times. Maybe you've got distracted. Maybe you've been looking over here instead of looking at Jesus. But what a great opportunity we have to turn our eyes and our faith back to him and to follow him with bold assurance and with this victory over doubt. That's God's plan for our life. Would you pray with me for a moment? Let's pray.